and welcome back to the Euro Trips Football Podcast. Domestic football is well and truly back and underway as we dissect what's happened in the first few days since that football returned. I'm your host Andy and I'm this week joined by two of our regulars. I'm joined by Ryan and by Richard. How are you both? Yeah, well, thank you, mate. Yeah, yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, looking well, forward good, to the weekend to come. Uh, looking forward to that. It should be a weekend full of full of fun stuff, and um, and yeah, it should be good. Obviously, it's my birthday on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to celebrating that as well. And yeah, it should be a good few days. How about you, Richard? Are you all good? Yeah, things are all good with me. Um, back after, back into action after the World Cup. Regrettably, Wigan not doing very well at the moment, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> but yeah, looking forward to glad to see that domestic football's back. You know, the World Cup was nice, but it's uh, good to get back to the daily grind and um, yeah, kind of get back to catching up on all the leagues as much as I possibly can in the next few weeks. So yeah. And how was your Christmas and New Year, Richard? Uh, generally, it was quite good. Um, like I say, I've um, just mainly spent the time relaxing, really. I played a little bit of football manager um, and mainly just spent the time relaxing, watching a bit of the football, um, both at Wigan Games and on the television. Um, so, yeah, no, it was a nice, nice little relaxing Christmas, I think. So, enjoyed it. Very nice. And Ryan, you in Tenerife for Christmas time. Um, how, how was that? Mixed. <laughs> Go on, tell tell us more. Tell the listeners more. No, it's just going away with family, isn't it? When such a large group as well, always ends in tears, don't it? One way or another. But um, no, I had a good time, and it was obviously nice to be out of um, out of this horrible weather for a little while and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was something different. Um, but yeah, mixed, I would say. Fair enough, that is. The only issue with big groups is that it can cause things like that. Um, mm. But, yeah, we are back all talking all things domestic football. Um, of course, we had the World Cup break, which obviously we covered in our episodes we did um, during the tournament. But we are back talking all things Premier League, Syria, La Liga, Liga and all the rest. Um, Naeem should be here, but sadly he couldn't make it. Uh, Last-minute commitments meant he couldn't. Unfortunately, attend this one to La Liga this week will be not talked about. But we're going to start with one of the more exciting title races this year, and which took a big turn last night. Uh, let's head to Ryan with Serie A. Sorry, very much so. Um, obviously, the big game now the World Cup is finished was in against Napoli in the week last night, as you said, and. It was a really good game, to be fair. I think both teams could have won the game. They both had chances, um, especially in uh, who started really, really well. But it was them who came out on top. They've ended Napoli's unbeaten start to the season. They were the only team within the top five leagues to be unbeaten to this point. Um, but yeah, Inter did well, to be fair. I think a lot. Uh, there was a lot to be said for um, the state of the San Siro pitch which has obviously come under question for a number of years now. And um, there was some unhappiness about that. But um, as I say, it was a game of lots of chances. But it was Edin Dzeko who got his seventh goal in uh, in the league this season in 16 appearances, which isn't bad for a 36-year-old. And it was a really good header, really powerful header, great crossing. Um, I think it was from DeMarco who got the crossing. But yeah, 
really, really good game. And it was what I expected to be. It was a, it was a bit like, although there weren't a lot of goals, it's still exciting because it was still end to end. And um, it was nice to see Napoli back. And um, I don't think they would have lost any any real hope from that game. Like I say, they played reasonably well. Inner just took that one chance, which got them the three points. Um, obviously, it's opened things up now because it's brought Napoli back to the closing pack. And um, part of that pack now, surprisingly, after their really poor start to the season was Juventus. Uh, they got a last-minute winner, 90th-minute winner, thanks to um, Arkadouis Milik. Scored a really, really good free kick, dead on in the 90th minute. And again, they could have easily lost that game to uh, Criminese, obviously a newly promoted club. And uh, they hit the post twice in that game, um, Criminese. And they had chances throughout. Juve had chances as well. So again, they were probably lucky to get the three points in there. But it's moved them a bit closer now. Um, they're into fourth place in the table. So they're... If, if results sort of go their way in the next few weeks, they could easily see themselves back in the title race. But obviously moving on to the other games throughout this midweek fixtures, Lazio were beaten 2-1 away to Lecce. Um, weird game because Lazio were the better team in the first half and um, they went 1-0 up thanks to Chiro Mobile, who wrote himself in the history books once more. Because he became, I can see the smile on Andrew's <laughs> He became the ninth highest goal scorer in Serie A history last night um, with that goal. So very impressive stuff, but wasn't enough to win Lazio the game. Um, poor defending allowed Lecce back into it just after half time. They equalised. And then about 10 minutes later, they got the winner as well. They were much better team in the second half. And... It's now three wins from three for them as well. So they're sitting quite pretty. Um, I think they're now 11 or 10 points clear of the bottom three, which is absolutely huge for them. So I think they could very well stay in the division this season. I think all the newly promoted clubs have, have done all right. Mons have probably done the worst of them so far, but I think they definitely will improve. And then lastly, really, of the midweek fixtures, of, of no anyway, with Milan, uh, the reigning champions, they started 2023 off the right way, away when it's still Anatana. Not an easy place to get a result. Uh, Rafael Liao and Tonali with the goals in that game. Liao in particular was very, very good. Made everything happen. Obviously got a goal. And um, yeah, Milan, they looked just as good as they have all season. One thing to note from that game was Solana Tana, who recently signed Achoa, the Mexican goalkeeper, who... No one ever sees in club football. Um, so it was nice to see him actually for, for, for a domestic club. And actually, he played so, so well. He made so many saves for that Salerno Town. If it weren't for him, they would have been beaten probably 4-5, 6-1. Um, as I said, they did get a goal late on, but it didn't really make any difference in the end. So, yeah, just another exciting week in Serie A, really. Yeah, one thing I wanted to touch on really was a team that I actually predicted to win the the Serie A title when the season before the season began. Uh, Roma, I can see here that they are eleven points off uh, off the title, uh, and I can see into the last five games they won two, drawn two, and lost one. Uh, a team that a lot of people had high hopes for before the season before the season started. 
the fact they're sick, would you put that down to the fact that they haven't been good enough or the fact that there's just been five teams that have been much, much better than, than them? No, it's certainly not that the five teams have been much, much better than them because the only team that have been better than everyone at the moment have been Napoli, quite frankly. Um, so Roma, they've only got their, their selves to blame at the moment, in my opinion. Um, it's a strange one as well. I mean, you know what Mourinho is like. Where wherever he goes, there's there's controversy, and um, there was an incident not not too long ago, actually, just before the World Cup, in which um, Rick Cardstock, the right back, was basically kicked out of the club. I'm not, I can't remember the actual specifics without looking it up, um, but yeah, there was a, a feud there between him and Mourinho. He's basically gone now, and. I've watched Roma a fair few times this season and they're really they're a strange club because they've got a lot of talent there. You know, they they brought in so many good players in the summer and you know Bellotti isn't really getting game time who they got on free transfer. And you know, obviously the form of Tammy Abraham hasn't helped. He hasn't been the same this season like he was last season. Dybala's obviously had his injury problems as well. So it's a strange one. If they get all their players fit and get a settled start in 11, which is what they really need at the moment. They could very well, you know, push themselves back up into Champions League qualification territory. And, I mean, they're not even that far off the top, obviously, depending on if the if Napoli and Inter and Milan, you know, start to come down to the other clubs a bit more, which I think they may well do. Obviously, the transfer win is going to have a, a big impact on that depending on which players might leave, players that might come in. I don't think we're going to see too many major incomings this window. If anything, it would be more outgoings. So that's one to keep an eye on. But um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a strange one for them because I, I, I also thought they would be a lot higher than where they are right now. But um, there's still a lot of games to play. Certainly, especially with the lack of games during the... World Cup at this time of year, maybe it's not as many games as you know as we're normally accustomed to this time of year. Um, now heading on to our second league, which is the Premier League. Now, of course, we had some games on over Christmas, but they were so far back, I won't even bother mentioning them. We'll start with um, what is now this week, um, Tuesday, Monday, Monday night, Bank Holiday saw Liverpool lose for their first time ever against Brentford as Brentford took a 3 1 win at home against Liverpool. Um, an own goal from Canate was met with a second goal from Visa after a disallowed goal. The Ox brought things back for Liverpool, but then a late goal from Mbwebo sealed all three points for the Brentford team. And of course, it's got worse. Liverpool haven't, I think it's just lost talk to Van Dijk's injury is a lot worse than expected and he is seeing specialists. So fingers crossed, he doesn't have too long a layoff because we all saw what happened the last time he was injured for a long time. Uh, Wednesday, so Tuesday saw four games take place as Manu won 3-0 against Bournemouth with goals from Casemiro, Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford. Mitrovic scored once again as Leicester would lost 1-0 at home to Fulham. Uh, Everton struggles continue and Frank Lampard, the pressure has ramped up significantly after Brighton beat them 4-1. Um, and then also heading on to Wednesday, so yesterday, Nottingham Forest beat bottom of the table Southampton 1-0. Leeds and West Ham drew 2-2. Harry Kane scored once again. He, uh, they won 4-0 against Palace. And Aston Villa and Wolves drew 1-1, which means in terms of the top goal scorers list, Haaland obviously leads the way with 21, with City and Chelsea playing tonight. So that might increase. 
Harry Kane the second was 15, with I- Ivan Tony third was uh, 12, although he may not play much more this season with his injury and all sort of stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And then Mitrovic is fourth, with Rodrigo surprisingly in fifth with 10 goals. But there's one game I have missed out, and that's really what I want to get Ryan's thoughts on, is Arsenal's 0-0 draw with Newcastle. It was deemed as first against second or first against third, whatever it is, which means that as it stands, with a game played more than Man City uh, as they played Chelsea tonight, probably the game done by the time this podcast is released. As it stands, Arsenal lead the league with 44 points with 17 games played. City are second with 36 points and 16 games played, with Newcastle third with 18 games played and 35 points, and a game played more than Man U, who share the same amount of points. As our Arsenal fan in this uh, podcast, what was your take on the Arsenal performance and the result against Newcastle on Tuesday? Mm. Um, I thought we played really well, to be honest with you. I didn't see any kind of dropping performance in that game. We started really strong, as we have done for a lot of our games this season. And when you're going up against the best defence in the league this season, it was always going to be tough. Newcastle, they didn't, they haven't been playing the way that they did against us this season, which I think is a big um, compliment to how we've been. But they knew what they had to do. They knew they had to make niggly fouls. They knew they had to put pretty much all... 10 men behind the ball and just sort of soak up the pressure. And I think the game plan from them was to try and hit on the counter-attack. Um, obviously, it didn't really work for them. They didn't... Uh, they can only, I can only remember one sort of clear-cut opportunity for them. Um, obviously, Joel Linton headering over from the corner. But apart from that, we were well on top. But we just... I don't know. That was a game we, we sorely missed Gabriel Jesus, in my opinion. Um, obviously, he doesn't... Sc- the number of goals that you might associate with a world-class striker, but his link-up play, especially in that game, would have been the difference maker, in my opinion. And although NK has done a good job when coming in, he's not the same player, he's not the same quality, nowhere near. And um, yeah, we just just couldn't get the goal, but the the referee in, for that game was just horrific once again. Like, And it wasn't just for Arsenal, don't get me wrong, because Newcastle had a few fouls that the referee booked players for and they weren't yellow cards. But then there were other fouls that should have been yellow cards that weren't. He was getting all of his decisions wrong. He completely lost sense of the game heading towards half-time. And um, how we weren't awarded at least one penalty is simply beyond me. Um, the pull on Gabriel was just madness. And at the time... I didn't think it was as bad. And then I watched the replays after the game. I, I could not believe that VAR has not overturned this decision. Um, the handball one at the end is a bit more... Obviously, Arsenal fans are going to lean on that a little bit more. You know, We're going to feel like it was more of a penalty. If it was the other way, I'd have probably been aggrieved if it went against me because it's hard um, for, for Murphy to put his arm where he has done. So I'm not too upset with that one, but for sure we should have been given one in that game. So it's a disappointment, but it's not one in which I've come away from the game think like really, really angry. Like we have been in, in, in the past. We just come up against another really informed team who played well at the end of the day. And you're going to get that throughout the season. You're going to get frustrating games where you just can't score. Um, 
but it's just how you bounce back now from that. Obviously, we've got some massive games coming up, so we'll see how we get on from them. Yeah, and I think I certainly agree with you. I think the second one you can understand um, why you can you can see it both ways, but I think the first one was definitely a penalty. And I think we had this in 2013, 14. You can even look at it last season with the Rodri handball. There's these little referee mistakes and referee decisions that can ultimately cost a team. And I think we've seen we saw it last year. We saw it in 2013, 14 with the Raheem Sterling offside against City. And I think mm. I just hope hope for your guys' sake that you're not gonna have lose a league by a point or two and look back at that decision um, and regret it. I mean, looking at Arsenal's next game, uh, it's actually on Sunday, so it's not obviously this weekend coming up is FA Cup. Then the following weekend is Tottenham against Arsenal. So that's um, what I'm going mm. to get back to. And of course, City play Man U as well. So it's quite a, a good weekend in terms of, um, you know, these big derby games. Um, but Richard, we will go back to you. I want to get your thoughts on my team, Liverpool. Um, I mean, like, how bad was that performance on on Monday night? <laughs> yeah, I just got in from the Wigan whole game, so a bit of a deja vu for me because that was a shocking second half performance of us as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, that was not a good result for Liverpool. Um, you know, just just after the Leicester result, to coming back from a goal down to win there, and then you know suddenly turning in that kind of performance. Although credit has to be given to Brentford, I have to say, because you know they've beaten Manchester United this season, they've beaten Liverpool, so they certainly have a, a knack. They beat Manchester City away from home, so they certainly have a, a knack of turning up up against the big clubs. But yeah, Kunate had a shocker at the back for Liverpool, and yeah, teams cannot go to side to a side like Brentford now and underestimate them. If you're off it just by a little bit then they will punish you. And I think that's exactly what, what um, Brentford did. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a blow for Liverpool because like I say, the, the race for the top four is going to be really tight this year. You know, obviously Spurs winning last night and then Newcastle just won't go away um, as they showed against Arsenal, as they've showed all season with their excellent defensive record. So yeah, not an ideal result for Liverpool and they've got to bounce back quick. Um quick from this and try and take advantage next week of the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham playing each other and uh, Manchester City and Manchester United playing each other. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's it's going to go right to the wire, this fourth place battle. Um, and yeah, teams cannot underestimate Brentford this season as they showed against Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the last four results, it's a 2-1 away win against Man City, a 2-2 draw with Tottenham, a 2-0 away win against West Ham. Despite their struggles, that's still a good result. And then beating us 3-1, but it annoys me because, you know, if we'd won that game, I know it's if bad and maybes, but we'd only be four points behind Newcastle, who'd have a game in hand, game played more. And that's that would mean you could potentially go down at one point. Um, but I think it's all right. I think, you know, next game, if we can, hopefully Arsenal City can do us a favour because we can hopefully win. Obviously, we, our game's not a guarantee. I can't even think who we're playing next. But if, um, you know, if we can get a result there, I think that really helps our case top four. But I think... Slip ups like this again, I think it could really cost us. I mean, even the Leicester game that we got lucky in that one because that was two quite calamitous own goals, one particularly. So it's um that game sort of almost papered over the cracks, the fact that, you know, we got a win, but luckily looking at it now, we've got Brighton away next. Um Brighton a team that have continuously given us trouble. Ironically, more at Anfield than at the Amex. They seem to have they drawn against us twice in the last two years at Anfield, but we beat them the game I was at last year at the Amex. So hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, we get the three points there. But, you know, Brighton certainly a team not to be underestimated. And Brighton are 
we mentioned the top four race, they're they're well in, in the race. I mean, look at we mentioned Fulham, Brentford. I mean, the top ten considers consists of Brentford, Brighton, Fulham, all of them above Chelsea, albeit Chelsea do play in about half an hour's time. Um, so Brighton and Brentford aren't particularly out of the race either. I think they have been somewhat overlooked, but I think it's due to their you know size of the clubs probably means that's probably why they haven't been looked at too much when it comes to the top four race. But I think they're certainly teams to certainly look at and, and um, watch out for. Um, but we will head to you, Richard. Of course, you are designated other leagues, man. Um, so what other leagues have you watched this week and what's happened? In terms of leagues, it was more like one particular game. And I, I sort of, I haven't watched a lot of league on this season, but I decided to have a little dabble um, immediately after the Liverpool-Brentford game. I think it was the same night on Lons versus PSG, the big game in um, Ligue 1. I think it was either that night or the night before. I'm not sure which one, though. I got my, I get my days mixed up over New Year Christmas. But, um, yeah, I had a dabble at Lons PSG. And uh, this was obviously the big game in the that particular match date. It was first versus second. PSG were top by seven points. And Lons were playing PSG at home. Now, obviously with the gap being seven points pre-game, if PSG do win that game, then that pretty much seals the title, really. Ten points clear of your nearest opponent and, you know, more people will probably assume Marseille or Lyon to be chasing uh, PSG rather than um, Lons. But no, Lons, I'd say this game was actually a, a fight between probably arguably the two best French coaches around at the moment in the shape of... Um, Christophe Galtier at PSG and Franquez at uh, Lons. Now, Franquez was apparently linked with the Brighton job very briefly after Graham Potter went to Chelsea. Obviously, they opted for Roberto De Zerbi in the end. Um, and Lons came away with this uh, in this game with a, an absolutely spectacular 3-1 win. Now, it was a, a brilliant atmosphere at Lons' stadium. Um, you could really feel... The crowd got behind their team so much. It was a brilliant atmosphere. Stands close to the pitch. And what I was, I was so impressed with the, the collective performance of Lons during this game. You know, so many players um, like Frankowski, the right wing back, like um, Lois Appender, the striker, um, Danso, the, the, the central defender. So many of them came to the forte and um, produced a, a brilliant performance to defeat PSG and it was a deserved win. It wasn't one of these games where, you know, PSG played below below par and, and Lons got lucky with one shot, one goal. You know, they, they scored three goals and generally looked just looked really, really good. And you could probably tell that um, PSG probably were missing an attack. Um, Neymar, who was obviously suspended and um, Lionel Messi, who's still probably only just coming back from Argentina now, but they absolutely need him back for that um, latter end of the season. So Lons closed the gap to um, four points. Now, obviously, <laughs> I still have PSG as firm favourites for the league and title race, but Christophe Galtier will know as as someone who has stopped PSG winning the title recently with Lille that his Lille team beat PSG in the 2020-21 French league and title race. Now, is the hunter going to become the hunter in that regard? Are Lons potentially going to do a Lille on PSG? I still think it's unlikely, but um, the gap is still there. Well, the gap sorry, has been closed. It's no longer um, insurmountable. And it's the French Cup week, weekend this week, so obviously everyone takes a break from domestic affairs. So, yeah, it's something to stew for PSG to stew over. Um, but, you know, credit to Lons and 
the interest in Hayes is is only going to grow on the back of this um, this result. Um, and you know they thoroughly deserve the the victory. Yeah, well, I'm excited for this. You know, I think it's a league that for 70 years has been, you know, always been one-sided, the same as a Bundesliga. And we got, obviously, a few years ago when when Neil um, won the title, I think it was very refreshing. And I'm I'm hoping that, you know, more results like this happen. And, you know, in PSG are stopped. But I think it's, um, we're still, we're way, way, way. And I, I still, I fully expect them to go on and, and win it. Um, and of course, PSG have, have got an attack featuring you know the two stand-up players in that World Cup final, as well as one of the best players of the tournament in Neymar, as well as one probably the best fullback in the tournament in Hafa Kakimi. So with that, I mean you would think on paper that they would they would that, that team would breeze to a Champions League win, but it's not proved to be the case in the last five, six years. So after watching the performances of Messi and Neymar in the World Cup and Bappe and Hakimi and all the rest. Do you think PSG can finally win that European Cup, or do you think there's other teams that that may well uh, do the business? Ryan, we'll go to you first. Uh, we did do Champions League predictions, I think, when the season started, but we'll get you updated predictions for this. Who are you predicting to win the Champions League, and who are they going to beat? Hmm. I don't know. I can't actually remember who I predicted. I think it was PSG I predicted to win it. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Because um, PSG have looked pretty decent in the league this season. Obviously, Lance are having a you know mad season chasing them, but they're by far and away the best team still. Um, in terms of the Champions League, I don't know because I don't think Man, Man-, Man City are as bomb-proof as they have been um, in recent seasons. Obviously, they've not done it in the Champions League. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think I think we could really see not not a lesser team, but not as prestigious club. Maybe go on and shock people and win it. I think there's vulnerabilities there in all the big clip clubs at the moment, um, even in Bayern as well. So yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold tight at the moment um, and wait until. The fact round of fixtures come, see what the form of the big clubs are like before then, before I change my prediction. Well, that's the biggest cop I've ever heard of, but we'll, um, we'll move on to uh, to Richard. Um, who are you saying is going to make the Champions final and win it? I think I've been saying this for about two, three years now, and they always end up letting you down. I'm going to stick my neck out and say Manchester City. And the reason I'm going to stick my neck out and say Manchester City is, I think, one, I think they've got a very, very winnable uh, round of 16 tie against RB Leipzig. I don't envisage them having any difficulties there with, with that tie. I think that the draw worked out well for them. One of Bayern and PSG are going to take each other out in the next round. And actually, funnily enough, I think it's actually flipped now. I think PSG arguably might be favourites in that tie now because of Manuel Neuer's injury. Um, quite why football clubs allow players to go skiing mid-season with the potential risks that it involves is, is, is absolutely beyond me, but there you go. Um, so that's obviously a big blow to Bayern. And yeah, I, I, I just wonder too with the dynamics, will the dynamics of the Premier League title race um, impact on this? Because Arsenal have a chance. I think they play before Manchester City do. Um before Man City play Man United in the in the derby, I think Arsenal play earlier, so they can go ten point. If, if City lose tonight, of course, to Chelsea, we're all getting ahead of ourselves. But they, I'm just wondering if they can build up a big lead, um, Arsenal over City, 
how will City then maybe try and focus their attention on Europe? I'm just just wondering if that might be the case. Um, I've been saying it for years and years that City are going to do it. And eventually, if you say something, <laughs> eventually one time it will come true. So go on, I'm, I'm going to go for Manchester City. I, I, I just think it's bound to happen at some point, surely. Yeah, I agree. I also think it'll be City. And I think it'll be City against Real Madrid. I just think that they haven't looked like they've really lost an edge. In my opinion, from outside, I don't think Madrid have really looked any worse than last season. Uh, but as we know, normally mostly as a team, we never expect to make the final do. Look, look at Chelsea two years ago, look at Madrid last year. Um, no one thought they'd make it, especially after losing to Sheriff in the group stage. So, yeah, I think it'll be City Real. Um, but before we do go, I want to get your thoughts on what's been, I think what's been a terrible take for me um, is people have been pinning City's recent losses on Haaland, despite his goal. They've been saying that, if you're listening, you know who you are. Uh, they've been saying that Haaland is a reason why their form's dropped and why, you know, the balance isn't the same. But the way I look at it, they're on the same points pretty much as last year. Um, you know, he's getting the goals that they didn't have. Um, and I think that the fact that people are uh, criticising Haaland and saying he, he's causing a, a drop in form is that he's actually rubbish because Arsenal just been that, just been that good. Uh, but what's your guys' take been on, on, on these kind of, these talks recently about Haaland maybe upsetting the balance of the team? No, I, I don't. I don't agree with it. I, I think that it's just one of those things. I think this season's Premier League was always going to be quite a strange one because obviously we've got the dynamic of a World Cup in the middle of it. We've never had that before, um, and you have to credit Arsenal. Like I said, Arsenal have been super consistent. I agree with Ryan's observations from from earlier. Yet yeah, a nil nil and a chance to extend the lead missed. As a result of the nil-nil, not great. But then again, you have to credit Newcastle and it shows you that likes of Newcastle, Brighton, Brentford have made the Premier League very, very competitive this season, especially in the upper mid-table echelons and the fights for, for European places, not just the Champions League, but the Europa League as well. So it's a more competitive Premier League this season. Arsenal have been very consistent. I'd say they're probably already a year ahead of where they were expecting to be. Um, and, you know, I, I generally think it's been a more competitive Premier League and um, and I think part of the problem is as well is because we've expected because we've had such brilliance in Manchester City before the second they're in a situation where they're suddenly having to chase a, t a decent sized deficit down people are going oh well have City lost their touch this that and everything else I, I don't think it's true no I just think you've got to credit Arsenal and some of the mid-table teams in the Premier League for, like Brentford like Brighton for stepping up and improving the quality this season so no I, I'm with you on that Andy I, I don't I don't agree with with, with that talk either and you, you as well, Ryan, do you agree with what we said or was there, or do you think there's any any sort of truth in what people are saying about Haaland and City? There's no truth to that whatsoever. That's uh, garbage from whoever said it because look at the goal goals he's brought to the team. Who else would have provided them goals, in my opinion anyway? I don't think you'd have got it from, from the wingers. Remember, they've let Sterling go as well, who was Jesus. a great contributor in goals, and Jesus as well. So, no, I, I, I don't, I don't buy into that whatsoever. I think it is like what Richard said: the competition is that much more severe this season in, in the Premier League with some of the lower clubs as well, and that's just what it is. There's so much quality in every single club at the moment, and they're in, they're in an easy game. Obviously, you're going to come up against teams who are in poor runs of form, like Southampton, for example, at the moment. But it doesn't last throughout a season, you know, so you're not going to get a run of three, four, five games against 
poor teams, you're going to come up against a good team sooner or later. And that's what it's been, in my opinion. Obviously, I think we've seen a little drop off from C, but not a big one by any stretch. And um, I, yeah, I, I just can't believe someone actually said that. It's just mind boggling. Yeah, sadly, it's not just one person, unfortunately. But we will end it there. Um, this has been the Eurotrip Football Podcast, and we will see you guys. Next time.